us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the last comic shop. Oh, I've got some treats for all of you. Oh, such nice costumes. Look what we got, a spider, Gwen? Well, here you go, sweetie. Thank you. All right, and what do we got here? Um, did you just glue a bunch of kale and twigs to yourself? Yeah, you kind of look like a walking Wendy's super bar. And I, uh, I think that kale may have turned. It smells a little... <laughs> Like bad kale. <laughs> oh, brought the cosplay, bruh. Yeah, I do respect commitment to a bit. So, um, what are you supposed to be? Hey, you are the comic book experts. You tell me. Hmm. Rotting lettuce. Uh, twigs. I'm going to go out on a limb and say swamp thing. Are you sure about that? I'm thinking he's one of those thing mans. Man thing! Man thing! Nah, man. I'm the heat. The heat? Nice! The original muck monster. Mad props for that. Hey, give this kid a king size Snickers. Here you go. Uh, here's a second one, so long as you promise to go down to that other comic shop down the road and uh, rub those kale hands all over their backstock. It's a deal. All right. Well, happy Halloween, kid. <laughs> yeah, just be careful that your costume doesn't turn into the toxic Avenger anytime soon. <laughs> Man, I love Halloween. Welcome to the last comic shop for all of our listeners out there. We're hoping that you're listening to this while you're giving out uh, candy or maybe some dollar bin comics to some of those kids coming up to your doorstep this wonderful holiday. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott for the conclusion of our month-long spooky comic book reviews. There you go. It's all treats, no tricks this time, kids. Absolutely. And we're going to be wrapping up Halloween with another one of J.A.'s picks. Uh, J.A., what did you want to read for this week? Tomb of Dracula. <laughs> Specifically, Tomb of Dracula number 50, because it has a crossover with the Silver Surfer. Oh, see. Because what's better than the Prince of Darkness but Space Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> see, I knew there had to be a hook. There had to be a catch. You wouldn't have just picked Tomb of Dracula out of the ether. You, But this is fun. This is like one of those classic Bronze Age you know, one issue dealies. So I'm excited. It was exciting to only have to read one issue. You're welcome. But as we'll get to, it's part of actually a collection that you can now get. All of the Tomb of Dracula series has been released. All of it's been collected. And this was volume four. I don't know about you guys, but I actually read some of the other issues that were included in this particular collection. But we'll get to that when we get to our comic book review right after the commercial break. But to lead us up to the commercial break, I thought it would be fun to visit Ghosts of Halloween Episodes Past. And Wait, are we doing a clip show? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm out. I'll see you later. Uh, I did no, better. No, it's issue. not a clip show in a single we, issue. We, we got, got it made. Uh, revisit is a couple years ago, we did do a clip show for Halloween and Part of that show, we did a top 10 Halloween-related superhero segment. And I thought it would be fun to revisit that list because, to be honest, it was done several years ago. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and recap who we ranked from 10 to 1 and then see if we wanted to move anybody around or if you feel like anybody would make your list. Wait, so, are you implying that our tastes would change over the years? <laughs> I have after, matured, like I, fine cheese or wine. I feel like I've gone the opposite way. I'm just getting worse. <laughs> like that kale that kid was wearing earlier. <laughs> like there's not going to be many on this list that uh, will change, but we'll see. So the list starts off with 10, Morbius, 9, Blade, 8, Swamp Thing, Seven, Man-Thing. 
six Constantine, five Ghost Rider, and it was the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider because J.A. did not want to vote for Johnny Blaze. Uh, four was Frankencastle, three was Hellboy, two Vampirella, and the number one on our Halloween-related superheroes was Spawn. Do you feel like anybody in this list should have went up or down, depending on like the books that we've read since then? We'll start off with J.A. I, I think Swamp Thing has to be higher than Man Thing. Ooh. We're going to flip those. Do you think uh, Swamp Thing should go even higher? He's I think too the wet. Swamp Thing, Man Thing triumvirate should be set right in the middle at 5-6. Okay. I think Ghost Rider needs to slide down. I mean, we're only giving it to Danny Ketch based on his glow-in-the-dark cover. That's all. Let's, let's be honest here. <laughs> That's all nothing, you need. <laughs> it has nothing to do with any story. Uh, no, that glow-in-the-dark cover was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and I love the Mark Teixeira art. I, I don't know if any of the stories were any good, but the art was great, and that cover one of the best gimmicks ever. Um, Morbius, I think, can fall off something <laughs> just because of how bad his movie was. Oh, but we met Roy Thomas and he helped create no, Morbius. Exactly. No, I agree. Like, um, Morbius can suck eggs because I, <laughs> I'm not Maybe a bring, fan. Of bring, the bring Dracula no. back in since Dracula is. Uh, so you're just saying Dracula instead. Dracula should take Morbius's spot. If we're gonna have a, a living vampire, let's get the real one, and not not Marvel's attempt to to make one of their own because they didn't have the rights to Dracula at that point? I don't understand why, because he was always in the public domain. It actually had more to do with the comics code. Uh, at that time, vampires and other undead characters could not be put in comic books and still be considered part of the comics code. So therefore, that was kind of an end around with Morbius. Like, he wasn't technically undead, although he was a vamp. That's why they had to say he was the living vampire because he wouldn't oh, right be. right yeah see there you go freaking government destroying good art <laughs> get me started i'll go down a rabbit hole of tipper goreness oh my goodness okay um That's what about uh, werewolf to... by night he didn't even make the list you think werewolf by night needs to make this list now no he's disqualified because his name's jack russell <laughs> <laughs> yes. Elsa Bloodstone, maybe? I don't know. Let's give another one of those. I, I, I feel like the Blades, the Elsa Bloodstones, the Van Helsing grandchild, they all sort of exist in the same Bronze Age milieu. I don't care about that, but I have a bone of contention. Frankencastle is way too low at number four. <laughs> <laughs> way too low. But he only had one story, though. And, and it was I, the best. It was half of the best. Go back and listen to the tape. Even you admitted that that whole series isn't that great. There's like issues that you just cut out of your way. Uh, yeah, you just got to ignore those. The rest of it's the best. I, I think that Hellboy and Vampirella both are higher. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let me propose this. Okay. If you're going to knock Frankencastle because there were a handful of bad issues in his run. Okay. Let's look at Spawn. <laughs> How many issues yes. of Spawn? Yeah, I, I think Spawn is too high. I don't think he takes number one anymore. I don't know what, what we were thinking. Yeah, okay. let's look at Vampirella. How many high quality Vampirella books have you seen in the last four decades? Oh, I've seen. I'm lots. sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I've seen lots of covers, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Vampirella, it's just the covers that matter. I would sooner go Elvira than Vampirella. Which I really like Elvira. I met her once in real, in real life. She's real nice. Oh, uh, yeah. She's one of the most iconic characters out there. I I think she deserves to be at the top of the list. I will agree. I think Spawn is rated way too high in retrospect. Like, everybody knows who Spawn is, but I don't think he deserves just the, the top spot just because everybody knows who he is. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I, you can't give it to, to Vampirella. Okay. For the top spot, because there's like name a great Vampirella story. I'll wait. <laughs> and then Hellboy, we can't give it to Hellboy. Why not? Even though Hellboy has a very long lineage of high quality storytelling, even all the other artists that are brought in that aren't Mike Mignola still have a very high standard and, and carry that torch. They made that one movie and it sucked real bad. Mm. Which one? The David Harbour one? It wasn't, yeah, that, it wasn't it was, that terrible. They had a good thing and they screwed it up. They went all Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield on that David Harbaugh movie. 
that that's my vote. If I was going to recast this list, I'd put Hellboy number one. I'd probably put Swamp Thing number two. And then you can have the rest of the list. But I think in retrospect, since this list was originally made, I've read some really great Hellboy stuff and some really great Swamp Thing. And I feel like they should be at the top of the yeah, I don't remember the uh, when we covered Hellboy on the show, but I do remember when we covered Frankencastle, and it was great. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it's fun to go back and revisit this stuff. What did you think as fans out there in the last comic shop, Ether? Did you enjoy our list? Is there anybody that we missed on this list? Should we have put, like, uh, Jack Ooh. Kirby's Demon, or... What about the girl that buys the chainsaws from that Something's Killing the Children? Oh, yes! What is her name? Erica Slaughter. Maybe we'll put her on there. What about the Hack and Slash? How about the Evil Ernie's? I'm, I'm going to the bottom of the barrel here. But who did we who did we miss? Leave some comments out on the last comic shop uh, social media. And we'll be right back with a comic book that, again, we should have covered a long time ago with Tomb of the Draculas here on the Halloween Spectacular. Stay tuned. Who was the bad guy from Department of Truth? Because that pissed Dandy off something fierce. <laughs> Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Lords of the Cosmos is the critically acclaimed indie comic masterpiece that combines the best of He-Man and heavy metal into a sci-fi fantasy hero mashup. Bringing together artists, writers, and creators from across the comics industry, Lords of the Cosmos is about to launch a Kickstarter for their fifth issue. Jam-packed with celebrity artist pinups, dynamic storytelling, and beautiful artwork, this book is a masterclass for anyone who appreciates vintage storytelling in 80s and 90s style. Catch up on the back issues and join the Lords of the Cosmos for their next great adventure by signing up for the Kickstarter pre-launch at jasonlennox.com. And we're back, ladies and laddies and kitties and tricks and treaters. And we've got a treat for you, which is the Tomb of Dracula, uh, which we're going to be focusing on issue 50. But I think uh, we're bringing some other treats to the yard as well. Uh, but let's start with J.A. Why don't you tell us the creatives behind the Tomb of Dracula issue number 50 in particular? Okay, so uh, it was written and edited by Marv Wolfman with art by Gene Colan and Tom Palmer. John Costanza did the letters and Tom Palmer returned for coloring. And that creative team of Marv Wolfman, Gene Colan, and Tom Palmer did almost all of the 70 issue run of Tomb of Dracula. Uh, Jerry Conway did the first couple of issues and then he quit. Archie Goodwin came in for a couple of issues and then he quit. Uh, Gardner Fox took over and then he quit. So it had a, a, a difficult beginning this tomb of dracula story and, and marv wolfman even said uh that he was floundering on the book as well and it, he didn't really hit his stride until issues 12 through 14 and that's the storyline where he said he finally figured out what that book was about and then continued through the next 60 some issues interesting and ironic that dracula would be mastered by a wolfman <laughs> A Marvel man. I love it. I love it. And one last little bit of uh, interest before we get into the synopsis is that Marvel's Dracula for this book was not patterned off of Bella Lugosi or Christopher Lee. No relation to Stan Lee, by the way, uh, but off of Jack Palance. What? Played Dracula <laughs> in a television production of the Stoker's novel after the Tomb of Dracula debuted. 
you are my number one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any case, the 10 cent synopsis for issue 50 of Tomb of Dracula, which was the focus of this week's show. This is a part of a continuing storyline that's been going on for several issues leading up to this, in which basically Dracula is becoming the king of hell and he has a wife and, and she's pregnant with his kid and they're like living in a castle or something. But now that she's impregnated, all the rest of the coven or whatever that put Dracula on the throne says, we don't need this Dracula no more. We, we, we're going to have his kid and we're going to be able to manipulate his kid. So we need to find someone that can kill that SOB. And so they use their wonkity wonk magic and witchcraft to um, Svengooly, uh the Silver Surfer, into doing the dirty work. And um, Silver Surfer shows up and he's like, oh, I don't know what's going on. My brain's crazy, but I got to attack this vampire guy. And Dracula's like, get out of here, you fool. And they fight for a little bit, but it's like not an even matchup because Silver Surfer is being manipulated. And yeah, he knows oh, he's manipulated. Yeah. And sooner or later, like the magics go away and Silver Surfer snaps back to him, his regular self and still says, I'm going to go kill that Dracula because it must have been him that was mind controlling me. And he shows up and uh, Dracula's wife at the time is like, no, nah, go away. And he's like, sure, whatever, I will. And that's, that's the end pretty of the much issue. what happens. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's they had to wrap it up real fast. It's not unlike uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he doesn't really need to be in the issue for anything to happen in the issue. Yeah. There's nothing that's resolved at all in this. Like he shows up for a little while. And I guess the only thing that you can say is that that coven can mark off one person that can't get rid of dracula they're like well we tried silver surfer hulk next i don't know let's go yeah i think this was a uh an example of marvel trying to sell issue 50 covers with the silver surfer on it and trying to find places to put in the silver surfer because his run on the silver surfer comic book with stan lee and john buscema was also coming to an end i think they were searching for what to do with silver surfer the biggest problem was that he was stuck on earth yeah i know why it took like till the 80s to get him off of earth and they really didn't know what to do with him you're you're absolutely right that this has a lot of shades of that stan lee's uh john buscema run where you know there's folks that don't understand the silver surfer and shooting guns at him from he's just kind of flying around with no real purpose they did a lot of this like with the defender series too where he's just kind of there and like that's why he teams up with the hulk and Doctor Strange and Submariner, other heroes that are misunderstood. Again, people are just taking pot shots at him. And he's like, damn you, humans. Why can't you understand that I'm Space Jesus? Yeah, I found that as much as I love Silver Surfer, there wasn't a lot of Silver Surfer in this. More intriguing was sort of the backstory and the and the the soap opera plot with the baby coming and the wife and the coven trying to take over and and working with Dracula and behind his back and Dracula, you know, going out prowling among humans in Boston and then always being, oh, I'm too weak to attack them, so I'm I'm just teenagers make fun of him and he flies away as a bat which is not the first time because there are a couple of other issues in this series where he's out and about and people say you know why are you dressed so weird or you must be some weird hippie guy and instead of killing them he flies away <laughs> it definitely was a unique perspective on dracula and i one of the things i loved about this was this was that classic 70s you're dropped in for an issue and you get all that melodrama, but there's enough context that you can figure it out. I was excited to see that uh, that Vlad was turning into a family drag. I uh, seemed to be taking his responsibilities very seriously. He didn't really seem like a bad guy until he seemed like a bad guy. But, you know, I wasn't anticipating all the people trying to hunt him and bring him down. And there's, you know, he has that whole, I don't know. I saw someone on the internet refer to him as like a Scooby gang, like trying to come after him and take him down. There's that Rachel Van Helsing blades part of it. But he did seem more more hunted and put upon than dark, evil, broody bad guy. 
Yeah, um, it was weird. He was kind of more of a little bit of an anti-hero. I won't say that he is as much of an anti-hero or even a true hero as some of the vampires nowadays in modern, you know, mythology, like the Twilights and the True Bloods. He doesn't um, sparkle. Exactly. He's not truly good. Like at no point do I feel like, yeah, that Dracula, he's a great guy, and like we should be pulling for him. I just actually, honestly, think he was just like uh, his own thing. Uh, in this kind of like Silver Surfer. That's kind of why I thought this issue was kind of neat. Even though we're supposed to think of Silver Surfer as the good guy in this fight, like neither of them were quote unquote, the good guys. Like the one was being controlled by dark magic. The other one was just trying to protect his baby and his, his, his pregnant wife. Like both of these things canceled each other out and i was just like nah, it the actually was pretty it, lame too i i, I thought the uh, <laughs> the setup was a lot better than the payoff the payoff was like really this is what we get we get like a drunk silver surfer versus a, a dracula character that has no business of wanting to even be there well i i just honestly thought that again going back to the stan lee and john buscema run this issue was almost a repeat of a better issue which I'm going to talk about now, and that's Silver Surfer issue four, where Loki does pretty much the same thing. He manipulates the Silver Surfer into fighting Thor. And that is like one of the all-time greatest covers, you know, with Silver Surfer flying down and Thor's about to smack him in the face. He's winding up for like the home run hit. And uh, I just enjoy that issue much more. But it's the same story. Like, it's like, again, somebody using dark magic to manipulate the Silver Surfer and to fight in some dude on their behalf. Yeah, so uh, last comic shop listeners out there, if you want to read this issue done even better, just go find Silver Surfer issue four from his first runs. Oh, come on. One thing I thought was better, and this is something like, I'm a big Daredevil guy, but for me, Daredevil begins at Frank Miller. I've gone back and read some of the, you know, the Wally Wood things and the Bill Everett things. And uh, Gene Colan was a very prominent Daredevil artist, prominent Iron Man artist. But there's something about his work that has never really clicked for me. He's very uh, stylized, very impressionistic. He's, you know, big action, big bombast. But there was always something where people were stretched out just a little too much. Or I, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I, or I hadn't found the key to unlocking that yet. And when we, I heard we were going to read Tomb of Dracula, I was like, oh, that's Gene Colan. All right, here's another opportunity you know, to, to figure out what makes him great. Because he's a super well-respected artist. And I do think the combination with Tom Palmer, like Tom Palmer really takes a lot of those elements of Gene Colan's art and focuses them in a way. They're still action-packed, but they're not as exaggerated. There's that extra little touch of realism. And then whenever you factor in all the, the different like zipatone things and all the different coloring things, like for a comic that was coming out in the, you know, the late seventies, the art on this book is super impressive. And I, I really did enjoy uh, that creative team. And plus too, with Marv Wolfman, like I, I love Marv Wolfman on Spider-Man on Teen Titans. Like this felt like good Marv Wolfman too. I, I don't know. I enjoyed all the different aspects to this you know some ways were ways that you know kind of surprised me well let's go ahead and pivot real quickly to the rest of this collection because again even though the official assignment was only to read issue 50 featuring the silver surfer fight there were some other issues included in tomb of dracula the complete collection volume four that for, for folks that are looking for it and maybe the epic collections or whatever it starts off with uh, a couple reprints of some of the Dracula black and white magazines. Uh, so J.A., first and foremost, did you end up reading those, given that you're a huge Savage Sword of Conan fan and you like those black and white magazines from the 70s at Marvel? I did. I was disappointed because I'm used to the Savage Sword of Conan omnibuy where you get more than just the story. You get the interviews and you get the other stuff because I was looking forward to reading about Christopher Lee. <laughs> profile and and that was not shown all you got was the photo of him reading dracula lives but the dracula lives 
Parchment of the Damned, I thought was even better. It's A, it's black and white. B, it's magazine, so you're not worried about the comics code as much. So it's a little bit more adult-orientated. They weren't so worried about telling superhero stories. First story set in the in the late 1500s. It's just, you know, Dracula getting hunted by people around him. And it, I don't know what's going on, but even in this one, <laughs> Dracula's having a hard time feeding. Like he's eating deer. I, did the, was that like a editorial choice where they're going to show Dracula not feeding on people? Maybe. They did take pains at times to kind of humanize the Dracula in these stories. Like you get to know more about Vlad and how he was like, I don't know, it seemed like a noble soldier at times. And like maybe the vampirism was a curse. Not to, again, not going full fledged good guy, but at least giving him some backstory where we could sympathize with him a little bit. So I don't know if that played into it. Like, hey, we're not going to show him killing old ladies and draining their blood. Yeah, I don't know. He did find some uh, fine young ladies and drained some of their blood, though. <laughs> Left them laying in the street in that story. He's not uh, entirely innocent. So, yeah, I did read uh, that first story that came out of the Dracula Lives magazine as well. And it was neat. It, you know, you have this guy who's kind of trying to blackmail a town into paying him off because he's learned the secret of how to defeat Dracula. And uh, it was tons of fun. It definitely did lean a lot more adult. And like I said, we got to see Drac sink his teeth into some some foxy ladies and use his powers of persuasion. Uh, all that was fun stuff. One thing as, as a comic nerd that frustrated me, though, is I didn't know who did the stories. They didn't have a clear credits page. And so uh, through some Googling and some help from uh, J.A., we found out that Doug Monk was the guy who wrote that story and had three different artists for the three different parts. Uh, it was Sonny Trinidad in part one, Young Montano in part two, and Steve Gann in part three. Uh, like, that's kind of stuff that, you know, in these highfalutin collections, it'd be nice to to have made clear. Just give me a little corner box or something. Yeah. That is true. Speaking of other things that were in this collection that I particularly enjoyed, there's a two-issue arc. Half of it occurs in Tomb of Dracula, and then, awesomely enough, they include the second part, which was actually in Doctor Strange. And this is basically, again, the master of the mystic arts, Doctor Stephen Strange versus Dracula, which is a kind of a neat story. And uh, it's one that I've kind of sort of read before because there was a time in which I was reading that entire run of uh, Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts that was coming out in the 70s. This particular issue comes out after Doctor Strange sees the entire universe die just to be replaced by Eternity who just says like, ah, I, I changed my mind. I'm going to recreate the universe again. Um, but he's the only person that sees like eternity just destroy the universe and then recreate it. So he's he's kind of in this weird mood where he's like, ah, I just saw the universe die. And now Wong's dead. You get like Dracula being more of a master of mystic arts himself. And it's kind of like a duel of magics a little bit, which I thought was kind of neat because like. Honestly, I had a hard time reading this Dracula character. Like, I, I just did. You know, whatever the story demanded of him, they would just cast him in that role. And that's kind of sort of what they do with Doctor Strange sometimes. Sort of, like, give them both focus by just being like, yeah, they're just wizards battling. I actually thought that was the better duel uh, than the one that he had with the Silver Surfer, honestly. Uh, so before we go to commercial break, anything else that grabbed you by the uh, chin hairs? From this particular collection well, there was a lot of blade and, and blade was different in various aspects of the book he was sort of antagonist and protagonist and antagonist again and sometimes he's fighting dracula other times he's fighting hannibal king so i think if you are a blade fan if you like the blade movies or you like sort of modern blade storytelling this would be an interesting book to go back and read just from that angle to see how he was treated in the Bronze Age and, and and what writers did, the the original writers and creators of Blade did with the character. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely different than the Blade, uh, you know, we've come to know post uh, the Wesley Snipes movies. So it, it is neat to see where, where he's come from and, and the goggles, the ski goggles he's wearing all the time. <laughs> 
the goggles and like the brown jacket and it's a, it's Green a different pants. look. I, I liked it. I wish they would have kept that for the movie. Really? You like that yeah. more than that I black like the armor goggles. and the dark trench coat? Black armor and the dark trench coat is just so Matrix. Oh, uh, okay. Fair enough. And fair enough, we're going to be right back with more of uh, The Last Comic Shop and our ratings for Tomb of Dracula. Can we keep it to just issue 50? Or maybe we'll be talking about that complete collection. We'll see. As well as some other recommendations for the Halloween season. Hey, are you looking for your new favorite comic? Are you interested in epic fights, a career change, creating comics, and mental health? You have come to the right place. My name is Oscar Osorio, and up until a few months ago, I was working at a desk for a big company, until I burned out and decided to pursue my passion, comic books. It was the beginning of my new, better life. At least, that's what I thought. Turns out that doing what you love may involve newer mental health issues, worrying about getting money, feeling you're not enough, fear of disappointment, and more. So I combined these emotions with my love of superheroes and fan comics and turned it into my debut comic book, A Never-Ending Adventure, the fantastic quest of an aspiring creator looking for an idea. Life on Soup, right now. So come with me as I embark on the never-ending adventure of creation. Hello friends, do you like the 80s and Transformers? We are the Autopod Decepticast, and we started our podcast doing a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 classic animated feature, Transformers the Movie. We've since moved on to an episode-by-episode review of the G1 series and just started Season 3. We have over 180 episodes, so if you're just discovering our show, there's plenty of gold to stuff into your ears. And it is very funny and fantastic. I'm not biased... We are on every podcast aggregator you could possibly stomach. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and our web presence is autopoddecepticast.com. We are at apoddecast on Twitter and all of the things. Autopod Decepticast, friends, for all your animated Transformer needs. Hey, and now we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop in our ratings, where we don't have to come out of coffins... If you're coughing, you should get yourself the halls. <laughs> Jay, what's our one out of four scale before I get into more of these dad puns? One out of four vampire bites. Ah, nice. Ooh, that rating scale sucks. <laughs> See, he's he's doing it too. All right, Jay, well, this was your pick, right? Like you wanted to read some Silver Surfer on this show and you got your wish. Did it live up to your expectations? It's weird. I I can't say that it it scratched that Silver Surfer itch for me because Silver Surfer was not really Silver Surfer through most of the book. He was sort of this um, character that had been subsumed by this coven cult thing. He didn't know what he was doing and he couldn't control his actions so much. So that part of the book was really uninteresting to me. And I felt like this is just peak 70s marvel not knowing what to do with this great character the silver surfer that was obviously selling books for them but was not getting a lot of good stories told that being said i love the other bits of it i love being thrown into sort of bronze age dracula and getting all that melodrama and the soap opera aspects and you know dracula the dad sort of this is pre-hotel transylvania type dracula you know they were trying to make him approachable for the kiddies i guess so (laughs) i i enjoyed those bits of it if i was to buy this book at a convention or a comic book store it would be one of those that i would look at maybe i'll just slab it because i'm never gonna want to read it again Uh, but the cover is great and I think it's worth a pretty penny these days because it's number 50 and because of Silver Surfer on the cover. Uh, so I have to give it like, I, I don't want to go less than three because it is Silver Surfer and it was fun. Uh, but I can't give it more than three because I think it's just didn't scratch that itch, didn't live up to the hype of the cover. Chad. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Jay's rating of a three, but because I liked it. Like, I. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily anticipating being all that wowed by a Dracula book. I'm not the biggest uh, horror comic fan, uh, but this was classic 70s Marvel goodness. Uh, I was able to pick up an issue, just dropped right into the plot. And, you know, 
I knew enough about Silver Surfer and I had enough background about Dracula to find my footing and just let the creators do the rest. Uh, the art was really great. The Marv Wolfman uh, writing was something that I miss. And for 20 some pages, it was just a really enjoyable story. And whenever I went back and I, I was flipping through some of the other issues in the collection, they were fun too. Would I recommend them like for everybody? Probably not. It's not a thing that I, I plan on going back to, but while I was there, I really enjoyed it. And so the Gene Colon art with Tom Palmer, like Tom Palmer helped me unlock something about Gene Colon that, you know, uh, that wasn't there before. So I'm excited about that. I might go check out more issues for that. And the, the story itself was fun. I want to find out about the rest of the gang that's trying to kill Dracula and Dracula's wife and Dracula's kid and what happened. His wife seemed really creepy and like one of those creepy positive people. Like, maybe he saw the future and it was good. Like, what the hell are you talking about, lady? But uh, <laughs> the, it was intriguing enough. Like, I wouldn't be sad if I picked up an issue. And at the same time, if I, if I don't pick it up again, like, I'll remember, ah, I enjoyed it while I was there. So three out of four vampire bites. I'm going to go a little bit lower than both of you guys, but not by very much. I think I'm going to give it a 2.75. It is above average, honestly. And anytime I get to read Marvel from the Bronze Age, I'm going to enjoy it. And this was a series that I had been looking forward to reading for a long time because I am a fan, actually, of Gene Colan's art. I think he's one of the best Daredevil artists out there, honestly. There's a great issue where he's like flip kicking a bunch of thugs on like a staircase and just the a a athletic and acrobatism, is that even a word, of Daredevil in some of his issues are just, just wonderful. And I think sets the stage for everything that came after that with the way that Daredevil should be drawn. Um, so I, I, I liked it. Plus, I, I think that Tomb of Dracula has a lot of uh, shades of eventually what uh, Gene Colan would do on another un really unknown series called Gem Son of Saturn which I got all 12 issues in a dollar bin and I actually really enjoyed. And it's kind of got a, a long gaunt type character with a flowing cape, kind of like his Dracula in this. But I, I honestly, I've wanted to read Tomb of Dracula for a long time. I'm going to give it a little bit lower than the three because I'm still not a fan of Marv Wolfman writing. I think he's a little bit too verbose Still, like whether it was his run on this, whether it's his run on Fantastic Four or even Crisis on Infinite Earths, I think he's just wordy. And sometimes I like that. Sometimes I don't. And his kind of wordiness, I don't know. It's just it, 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 it's not my bag. I'll just say that it might be others. Uh, but simply put, I'm glad that I read this. And it, and again, it wanted me, it actually made me want to go back and reread other Silver Surfer issues that I really enjoy, like Silver Surfer 4. I then went back and read Silver Surfer versus Memphisto because I thought that was a better battle with uh, cosmic evil force than, you know, Dracula. So yeah, I, I like those things. Plus, I got to read the rest of the collection and that was that was neat. I won't lie. I enjoyed going back and having some of those dark shadows, Barnabas Collins kind of uh, soap opera elements um, and seeing where those played out. So in any case, uh, it is now time to see how our recommendations play out. Yes, these are other books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. In addition to Tomb of Dracula or either issue 50, if you can find it in single issues or any of the Tomb of Dracula complete collection trade paperbacks, including volume four, which this issue uh, appears in. So we're going to go ahead and start off with J.A. So J.A., do you have something spooky and horror related for all of our fans? I do not. <laughs> but I do have something that is out now and I recommend for every comic book fan. And even those who might not be or uh, are burgeoning comic book fans. And that is the newest Penguin Classics Marvel collection that has just been released earlier this fall. You get Avengers, X-Men, and Fantastic Four. And these collections, it's all Silver Age stuff, and it's great. Avengers, you get Avengers 1 through 4, 9, 16, 26, 28. 44, 57, 58, 71, 74, and 83. X-Men, 1, 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, 14, 15, 16, 38, 41, 42, 44, 45, and 46. And Fantastic Four may be the best of this 
three book run uh fantastic four one two three four five ten eleven forty eight forty nine fifty fifty one that's the whole silver surfer uh coming of galactus storyline and fantastic four annual six and what i really love about these penguin classics not only are they priced really well they're printed on a paper stock that is more akin to what you would have gotten in the newsprint era of the 1960s it's not like uh the um, marvel oversized books or marvel omnibus where it's glossy pages these are matte pages the colors are muted it really feels like they've really invested some time and effort into putting together a really nice collection and just to to piggyback uh, don't misunderstand it's not like the the garbage paper of the comics from the 60s and 70s but that feel is there that touch is there they actually managed to use really high quality expensive stuff to give yeah, you that garbage like, paper feel it's that we like all love leaf except they have all the original colors from the four color newsprint it's it's a crazy combination and oh my gosh i'll just say this if you're gonna get them get them in hardback I mean, the paperbacks are fine, but you what you need these for is those beautiful, beautiful hardbacks, especially this time around, that Fantastic Four. It is a dark blue with gold lettering, and it just pops like crazy. Oh, my God. But, J.A., if you've ever handled the paper or the hardbacks, there's one oh, thing our wear, audience needs to know. Yeah, you got to wear gloves, man, because fingerprints... They just collect fingerprints like nobody's business. If you've got the Black Panther one, that's the worst by far. That black just you, you even look at it and there's a fingerprint there. <laughs> Heck yeah. These things are so classy. You have to wear gloves while you're reading them, but it's worth it. Oh, yes. And by the way, J.A., uh, some fans might be a little bit turned off by the fact that you don't get like, I don't want to say like complete runs here, that it's more like, you know, a collection of issues. What do you think about that? I think it's done really well. If you're the super fan of one of these characters or teams, you're probably going to have all of those runs anyways. And if you're not, you're getting a very nice curated collection of important issues. And then if there's a break, say you had issues one, two, three, four, and then it jumps to issue seven, there's a couple of pages of an essay telling you what happened on the issues that you missed, setting up what's going on next. Uh, giving you a bit of historical context on the book. So it's not just a collection of comic books. It really is an anthology that's, again, done really well. It's got introductions. Some of these intros ran in Marvel Masterworks editions of the books. So you get a lot of content besides just the issues of the comics. Very cool. All right, Chad, uh, what is your recommendation this week? Is it spooky and horror related? It's a little bit spooky and horror related. So uh, there was recently a mini series that just wrapped up uh, towards, I want to say, tail end of August called Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, uh, where you are introduced to Brielle, who just so happens and eventually she finds out too that she's the daughter of blade and what you get is a a, a coming of age story mixed with some vampire lore uh i've seen it described as you know buffy the vampire slayer-esque but it's super accessible because while well, you don't need to be steeped in the blade mythos to understand what's going on uh that always helps but like this character's coming in very green and so you learn as she learns um, and it has a very interesting art style, like uh, creators that I, I hadn't heard of Danny Lore or Karen Darbo before, but they, they work. I mean, the series was tons of fun. It's worth your time, especially if uh, like I, I have a soft spot for those coming of age stories. And this is one of those, but with vampires, vampire hunting. How cool is that? Very cool, especially for this week's show. And to wrap us up, I definitely have something that's spooky and horror-related for our final recommendation of this week. And that is the fact that I finally got around to reading Ice Cream Man, which has been in my read pile forever, I think, since last Halloween. Now, for those folks that may not know what Ice Cream Man is, 
It has been a series that's been very highly acclaimed, written by W. Maxwell Prince with art by Martine Morazzo. And in essence, it's kind of an anthology. Uh, it's based around a very creepy type of character, an ice cream man that's, you know, going through the town, serving up delicious treats to kids and, and all kinds of folks. But at the same time, with that smile and that clean white suit that you know is up to no good. And so simply put, it's similar to like uh, Night Gallery or Tales of the Crypt or I don't know, uh, The Twilight Zone. Like you don't have to read all of the issues in order, nor do you have to read all of them if you want to. You can just pick and choose and they'll tell certain stories. And, and yes, of course you get a little bit more of this kind of underplot about who the ice cream man is and what he actually could be. And it's not good. Um, it's probably kind of more like Pennywise, honestly. <laughs> Foil too much, but um, yeah. But there's a story about drug abuse. There's another story about uh, a kid whose parents are killed by spiders. There's this weird story about this guy that was a one-hit wonder. And he like dreams about like, what if he would had, had an, or another hit? I was going to say, so, was he an O-Neater? Oh, oh, I get it. I get do. it. That thing you do. Oh, they were okay. the wonders, but they were spelled with what like the O-Neaters. That's the wonders. <laughs> Any case, yeah, he was a one-hit wonder. And he was like, he's the horror in that story is that the creativity left him. And so, like, I don't know, the ice cream man takes him on this trippy, demonic, uh, yellow submarine ride. Uh, to, to try to make his dreams come true. And it turns out that it's actually really a nightmare. Again, it, it plays upon certain aspects of deep-seated fears that we all have, and it's done very well. Like, every issue is kind of like, there's nice twists and, and creative thinking here. So, like, if you really want uh, a modern-day horror anthology, pick up Ice Cream Man. It is really just as good as everybody claims. Something else that's just as good as everybody claims is the Last Comic Shop Podcast. You've heard folks talk about it in the break rooms, in the comic shops. We are wonderful. We'll tell you, just in case you don't know. Exactly. We give you comic book reviews and recommendations every single week, and our shows are evergreen. So if you want to listen to other comic books that are horror-related, go back and listen to past episodes, like our reviews of Frankencastle, like we mentioned, or Once in Something's Future killing about the Zombie children. King Arthur. Yeah. Or, oh, that yeah. was a good one. I like that one. Yeah, or just this Can I year. put Zombie King Arthur on our list? No, we did not put Zombie King Arthur on oh. our list. Yeah, he was so scary. Yes. And Grendel's mom. But don't be scared to rate, review, and subscribe to The Last Comic Shop and to download as many episodes as you want because you will be well rewarded. What was that book we read by Stephen King's son that was about the Antarctica? Plunge. 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 Yeah. Plunge gave me the promise of math and never delivered. I'm still kind of bitter about that. But we deliver all the time, especially out there on our social media accounts where you can find us at Last Comic Shop, uh, where Andy will post Golden Age covers to help put you to bed. Jay does his weekly polls over there on the X. Uh, we're on Blue Sky. We're on Mastodon, I think. Uh, we still have an Instagram and Facebook pages. Uh, so check us out there. Or uh, worst case scenario, you can always go back to the home base, which is www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find links to all our shows. And what else, J.A.? We have a link to our merch store um, last week to get the Halloween-inspired T-shirt. After that, you're going to have to stick around for the Christmas-inspired T-shirt. Maybe we we'll put out something for Thanksgiving. I don't know. Like It'll be – it's the Thanksgiving shirt is like the normal last comic shop T-shirt. just has some gravy stains. Oh, okay. That's it. I was going to say, though, like, you know that the moment Halloween is done, people are putting their Christmas ornaments up. So they're already thinking about, oh, Oh, oh. oh, and I am too. Man, just bring me some of that Christmas Yuletide cheer. I'm That's ready a, for it. 
I'm Christmas ready to the creeps. Philippines. It's already been up since the middle of September. <laughs> That's where I need to live. I love it. Any case, what I also love is all of those wonderful books that we reviewed on this week's show. Chad, why don't you recap them for us? Uh, there you go. Uh, and you can find these at a local comic shop or bookstore near you. Uh, so we started off by talking about Tomb of Dracula. And we're reading from the Complete Collection, Volume 4. Uh, and then we also talked about the Marvel Penguin Classic Edition collections that just released uh, earlier this fall with the Fantastic Four, which got the A number one recommendation. The Avengers, the X-Men, they're all classy. Get your get your gloves. Uh, have yourself a time in those wonderful curated collections. Or maybe you want to go with the Ice Cream Man, which I've been meaning to check that book, too, or that Ha 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 or... Uh, I've heard so many great things about those anthologies, but Ice Cream Man is out there. Or finally, uh, Bloodline, the Daughter of Blade, which is a little bit lighter, a little bit more uh, youthful energy there. But there are all kinds of different ways to find your flavor uh, at your local comic shop. All right. And until next week, when we hope that you come back to the last comic shop, I'm the host with the most, Danny Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And make sure that you stay tuned next week. It is Public Domain by Chip Sadarsky. Until then, stay safe, stay giving out candy. And remember that uh, if you have a favorite Halloween movie, this is your last chance to watch it. I know I'll be watching Bride of Frankenstein. That's my annual tradition. Guys, you got one? Evil Dead. Bust out the Bruce Campbell. The original the original version, Evil Dead number one. Uh, I've got so many. I think this year I'm going to do a Christopher Lee Dracula. Ooh. Ooh. Run. Especially looking forward to Dracula AD 1972. Yes, but they don't, they don't have Jack Palance. Says I bite bigger than you. I suck bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. He's, he sucks so hard. Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.